Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, President and CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. And I want to remind people, too, that we are a podcast. A lot of people, Brian, listen to the program and they say, you know, I get a chance to hear the whole show or I missed part of it or maybe I wanted to hear part of it over again. You can do that by going to wherever you get your podcast, simply searching for Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. And Brian, we've got uh, so many episodes up there. Our listeners are bound to find one that applies to them. Well, on today's show, Brian, we'll keep it a little bit topical here by talking about what the Fed is doing. We can't get away from Jerome Powell. And apparently there's going to be another rate hike that could add another $21 trillion to the deficit. Can you explain that a little bit for us? Yeah, so uh, pretty much every time we do a show, we're going to be saying that there could be another rate hike because (laughs) that's all they're doing of late. It's kind of a silly dance, I think, at some levels. It's like, oh, he yields all this power and all that. And uh, what does he do? One thing, uh, increases rates uh, that banks borrow money to then lend out. So, okay. As we've been talking about on the show for over a year, that the Fed has limited ability to control inflation and other things like that. And basically what he does is he fills his bucket full of water and throws water on something hot (laughs) and hopes that it will cool down. Well, it'll cool down some, but it doesn't, you know, happen over overnight. And and a lot of the things that they do are going to take a long time to have any difference. But basically what the Fed's job is, I guess, is to make the economy poor (laughs) and make it bad, make things bad so that people don't buy stuff. And when it's hard to buy stuff, then you can't raise prices uh, when people aren't buying stuff. So that calms inflation. So, you know, I'm sure sure there's a more eloquent way of saying that, but that's kind of what's going on. And forever they've been saying, oh, we want to control inflation to 2%. Well, you're not really in charge of that. And they weren't. And they they certainly took their eye off the prize and didn't do anything for a long time. And then the government exacerbated the problem by borrowing trillions and trillions of dollars and putting that into the economy saying, oh, this will help inflation. I'm like, no, let's, let's go back and take an economics 101 class here. That will not help inflation. That will make it worse. And we've seen that. And so we're going to see a slowdown in a lot of things. It's funny, we have a whole generation, I think a younger generation is going, yeah, spend, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. Yeah, and right. What they don't realize is we borrowed ourselves into them not buying their first house mm-hmm. because they, they can't afford the mortgage payment because the interest rates are too high. Right. So they're getting, you know, they, they watch what you ask for sometimes if you don't understand the ramifications. Yeah, it sounds great to spend and borrow, but uh, guess who's going to pay that back? Younger generation. Right. Uh, guess who can't buy a house? Younger generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the things that are terrible for them, um, you know, they spend most of their check. 
And who does inflation hurt the most? Younger generation, probably. Mm -hmm. Anybody spending most of their check. And so I see all these uh, negative implications affecting the people that think, rah, rah, I'm all for it. Might want to do a little, I don't know, analysis of how this really affects your life before before you get too carried away. Yeah, and as uh, far as those interest rates go, Brian, I mean, it wasn't that long ago we had sub three percent interest rates. Some people into the twos, and right now the average interest rate on a home loan is north of seven percent. So the days of refinancing are certainly over. And for those people who are thinking about moving or downsizing, and you know, if they need a mortgage, certainly those days are over as well too. Now I have heard that this rate hike could be as much as seventy five basis points. What have you heard and what does 75 basis points translate into? Yeah, I mean, that's what they've been doing. They just recently did a, a 75 basis point increase. And and one of the, the other ramifications of these interest rates that if, if we have this for quite a while, then there's going to be a lot of, um, I mean, the government operates in a, in a debt position, obviously, 20 plus $30 trillion debt. Okay, it's enormous. And they have to pay interest on that. Now, most of that is we're paying the interest at a very low rate because we went through a really great period for that where the borrowing rate was really low. But what's happened is now that the rates are high, the government has to refinance its debt at a much higher rate. If that rate consistently is refinanced at, say, 5%, we're in trouble. Because uh, as the deficit grows, uh, or the national debt grows, if it gets to be, you know, it's already $30 trillion, it, it seemed like a, you know, a month ago it was 20 I mean, Yeah, right. It wasn't that long ago. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's say we get to 100 which we will. We'll get to $100 trillion, and if it's refinanced at 5%, that's $5 trillion a year in interest. Our um, expenditures right now are about $5 trillion a year. Wow. So we could get to a point where... As we continue to increase the debt and as rates go up, and if it all gets refinanced at that higher rate, 100% of the essentially revenue that we receive will have to be used to pay down interest. So we'll have no money for the military, no money for Social Security, or you know, not much for Social Security, Medicare. We'll have, I think in 2030, we'll be collecting, what, 75 cents on the dollar. Supposedly. So we'll have to subsidize that. Uh, schools, programs, social programs, student loan re- repayment, whatever. All that stuff's going to be, uh, oh, there's no money for that. And then you have to start borrowing yourself into oblivion, and we've seen countries do that. You know, there's a lot of countries where their economy is completely tanked because they just started printing money. I remember you gave me the hundred trillion whatever Zimbabwe <laughs> it was <a> note, f- <laughs> foreign currency. Yeah, I think there's some in the drawer there. Yeah, and so uh, it, it's it's a big problem to you know that everybody ignores right now. It's it's completely ignored by politicians that make the decisions to keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing because their constituents like that and they like getting votes and being in, in office. So it's a nasty thing for the next generation mostly. It won't be our generation that really pays for it. It's the next generation is going to find that we borrowed too much and they didn't get the benefit from that. They really didn't. I, I don't see a, a big benefit to uh, some of that, you know, this editorial here, but uh, there are certain things we need to spend money on, but kind of I see other things that, well, did we really need to borrow that trillion dollars? I mean, I mm-hmm. sure it feels good now, but it's like loading up all your credit cards. And so what's your answer? Well, I just applied for 10 more. You're going to borrow yeah. your way out of debt. I learned that a long time ago. We all know that's ridiculous. You can't do that. Well, right. let's do that times a million and we're the federal government. So, right. it, yeah, a little bit of soapbox there. But uh, we do have some issues there. And, and certainly with the increase in rates, and it will slow things down. I mean, you try and go buy a car, you buy a, 
a house, you try and grow your business and get a loan, you're going, how much do I have to pay? Right. Oh, maybe I won't do that then. Maybe I won't buy a house. And, and what that'll do, of course, is it really hurts, uh, again, the younger generation that says, well, I can't afford a house, so I'm going to have to rent. Mm-hmm. How much in rent? That right. went up how much? Mm-hmm. I thought it was 1500 Well, now it's 2500 Yeah. Ow. Yeah. That's most of my take home. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's a problem. And so we'll find ourselves, a lot of people are going to find themselves, you know, when it comes to their, their rent, their food, and their gas, all of which are up. That's pretty much it. That's, they don't have a lot of extra money for anything else, and that's what slows the economy down. They don't go to the mall anymore. They, you know, they shut off Amazon. And I can't order from that anymore. <laughs> you know, I, or I can't go on a trips anymore. I can't. I can't go out to dinner anymore. That's gone way up, and so that that does send a ripple effect through the economy. Well, certainly it's going to be a bumpy ride ahead. We certainly hope that it's going to be a soft landing for us. Some people are predicting that the recession will not happen until 2023, and they think it's going to be a deep one, but. Brian, you and I have discussed before, I thought we've been in a recession. Have we been in a recession? Well, <laughs> if we just keep changing the, uh, uh, definition. the definition of things, then, right. then uh, we, we are, we aren't. Uh, no, we were. And uh, we just, I guess the powers that be decided they didn't like that word, so they just changed what it meant. And I think there's a lot of words that we can change as to what they're really intended to mean. Now, uh, we have to look at that with a grain of salt, too, because recession is a, a nasty word to hear. Uh, we don't like it. But everybody has a different response to that. Certainly, you might be in a recession-proof kind of uh, profession, or your investments are in a recession-proof kind of thing. Like, let's say you have annuities, and they didn't lose any money, and you're going, oh, well, that's that's pretty cool. I re- all my friends are all in the stock and bond market, and they got hammered uh, in 2022. And you know, my annuities, you know, they don't lose money. And like, yeah, that's that's probably a good thing for you on, on that. Or or maybe you know, there's there's a everybody has a different uh, response to economic news essentially because everybody's situation is different. Now the recession, you know, one of the things I've noticed uh, is that if you're investing in the stock market, a lot of companies are really passing through the price increases to people. They're not really seeing their profit margins necessarily drop because they're just, pass, again, passing that along. So that hurts the consumer, but corporate profits are still going to be high. So that's that's an interesting thing. We have a lot of people working, and there's a lot of jobs out there. And so people will be making money and spending all of it, and corporations, if they keep raising prices, we're just going to get less for what we spend. You know, I used to spend $1,000 a month. I still spend $1,000 a month, but I don't have as much stuff from that thousand. You know, that's basically what's happening. And so corporations, if their profit stays high, then there's no reason long-term the stock market wouldn't do good, even if we have a slowdown in economic activity overall, because uh, we'll just have less GDP, less production, but the prices of that stuff is just going up. And people have less to put in their 401k, to put in savings, to put towards their mortgage, or if they can't even afford the house anymore, that you know it's just going to rent anyway. And so I think you're, you're going to see individual family balance sheets suffer, uh, not necessarily corporations' profit margins suffering. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about the impending rate hike that is just around the corner. Could be 75 basis points. We'll wait and see. And also, what is the definition of a recession? Well, you know, this time of the year, the weather begins to change a little bit. And as you drive along out in the countryside sometimes, you do see some trees that are lying over on their sides. And you take a look at those and you go, wow, those uh, are some small roots for such a big tree. Well, right now, we have a financial storm going on. How do you prevent 
your financial portfolio from falling over on its side, you have a financial analysis, basically a rooted wealth analysis done by Madrona Financial. How do you get it? Well, it's quite simply go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button. It's right there in the homepage, and uh, you'll answer a couple of questions and sit down with an advisor or basically just talk to an advisor however you want. You can talk to them over the phone. You can have an appointment any way you want, but the end result will be you will find how healthy your financial roots are, and that is so important in an economic environment like that we're in right now. So go to Madrona Financial and click on the Get Started button for your rooted wealth analysis. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the correlation between politics and the economy. And Brian, in previous shows, and I know a couple of years ago, we discussed this once and you said, well, the president really doesn't have that much effect on the markets and on the economy and on your finances in general. But I think recently that opinion has changed among a lot of people. Has it changed with you? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it actually has, because we went through a a really long period of time where we had maybe different parties in in the presidency, House of Representatives, Senate, and there there was some checks and balances in place. So, you know, I'm trying not make this a political show, and, and I'll even lump two presidents in there, Obama and Trump. And during their tenure, um, certainly they have a completely different styles. But we saw, you know, better interest rates. We saw good growth in the economy. Profits were good. Interest rate, you know, as I mentioned, interest rates low. And, you know, we had really robust gains uh, in the stock market, real estate market, et cetera. And so it was more of a hands-off approach simply because of the balance, the checks and balances, as I see it. And so at the time, I was I was saying, well, you know, they can talk about what they're going to do to create jobs and do all this stuff. They're not. They don't really create private sector jobs, and they don't have that much influence over it. Corporations are earning money. They're innovating. They're making profits. We invest in those corporations through stocks and real estate. You know, people are, are buying real estate and everything. Everything was going along just fine. But recently, we have not had checks and balances because one party controls everything. And what I'm seeing is almost a frantic level of social engineering, that the need of the, of the politicians right now is they want to get all kinds of stuff passed to socially engineer their idea of what the world should look like and how the money should be spent. And so we borrowed how many extra trillions of dollars. The debt went from 20 to 30 trillion almost overnight, it seems like. And so... With that, we have seen an enormous correlation between political action and the economy and and how it affects our our money, investments, finances, all that stuff with this latest administration. And so I think the the reality is it's because there are no checks and balances. And so, uh, again, I I use the word frantic. I I just I don't feel like I can even turn on the news without seeing, Okay, how what more are we going to spend money on now that we don't have? It's just it just never ends. And I'm of the opinion it's not a good thing. As we mentioned in the last segment, if I have 10 credit cards maxed out, the answer shouldn't be I go go get 10 more and max those out. And it's just dumb. (laughs) So I kind of have the same feel about how the federal government is is borrowing money because we don't have it. We don't have it to spend. We don't have it to do student loan repayment. We don't have the money. We have to borrow it. 
And when you borrow money, you might be repaying it for 30 years. So when you borrow a trillion dollars, it's not a trillion. It's many trillion because mm-hmm. of the interest that you're going to pay potentially. And so we've got tons of deferred interest already built in. $30 trillion is going to be a lot of interest every year. You do the present value of that, that's a, that's a big number on how much interest we're going to pay on that over time. And so, you know, we're taking our eyes off of that and just looking at the, oh, what can we buy with our two, 10 new credit cards I just right, got in the right. mail? And so I, I see an issue with that. Brian, well, the midterms are coming up in November. If the red team prevails here, do you see things turning around quickly, slowly, or at all? Well, I, I, as I mentioned before, whether it was during uh, Obama's tenure or Trump's tenure, we had checks and balances. And so I think there there was a lot less uncertainty about what was going to happen because parties had to work together. And anytime you have that, I mean, our system was designed around that, uh, having those checks and balances and having, you know, the House, Senate, the executive office, you got the different parties and so forth, and, and, and they were supposed to work together. And when you have one party in charge of everything... Sometimes things happen that, you know, they're so desperate to get stuff done before they lose that, that we see what's happened here. We've seen uh, certainly a lot of issues uh, happen with uh, inflation and interest rates. So they're, they're the big two that jump out at me and the debt, the debt just climbing, climbing, climbing. So it's not necessarily who's in charge. It's not having a balance. And so if we if we see uh, that happen, I think the markets will have a lot better sense of direction that, okay, we don't have to worry about all these, you know, every week another spending bill is introduced or something and, and, and all the changes and, and desired changes to tax codes and all that stuff. Uncertainty is not good for markets. Uncertainty kills markets. And when, again, we've had the, the one party in charge, there's a lot of uncertainty there for businesses, for individuals, for investors, and that's not good. And so if we can get some monitor on that, some governor on that, then I think that we, we could see corporations be able to settle in and, and individuals. And, you know, half the economic activity in the United States is small businesses. And so a lot of what has been passed, whether it was COVID things or others, really affected small businesses a lot more than large businesses. And so, you know, small businesses are 99.9% of the total of businesses in the United States. And so that's really have a penchant for them, you know, and and that's that's important that they understand that what they're dealing with, the the rules that they're going to deal with, that they aren't changing all the time. And with one party, they, they can change all the time. Well, the midterms are not here yet. The cavalry hasn't come to save us. So we're currently in a very volatile situation, as I'm sure everyone knows. The question, Brian, is what can we do about it as average investors out there listening to this program in the current economic environment, the current market environment? What can we do to protect ourselves? Yeah, I would say that, you know, as we look to the actual investments, the first thing is obviously get a financial plan from someone you, you trust and take a look at what you have. Most people, most people do not have that. They don't even have close to that. Most people don't even know what their investments are in, honestly, because I'll ask people that I think should know better and they'll say, well, I'm in Vanguard or I'm I'm in a mix or something. Oh, can you tell me more? I'm like, no, <laughs> they really can't because <laughs> we aren't trained in that. No, you know, we don't talk about that in school and high school or college. You know, it just doesn't, it's not something that our parents knew. They couldn't tell us because they didn't have money to know all these concepts and things have changed over the years. You know, it used to be you'd put money in CDs and get a nice rate and that's, that was investing. 
you know, I that's growing up, that's all I knew. Oh yeah. You get some money, you put it in a CD and they give you interest. That's investing, right? Well now you got uh, all kinds of options. You got fixed index annuities, you've got permanent life insurance, private non-traded REITs, DSTs, opportunity zones, structured notes, buffered ETFs, interval funds, yeah. We have all these creative ways to invest. Now most people don't know what most of those are, which I totally understand. But what I see from a lot of people is they're kind of stuck with a couple things, you know, just their stocks and bonds. And they may have gone to their advisor or done it themselves with the idea, I want to be conservative. So if I diversify, I'll be fine. And they did. And they're going, huh, I'm not very fine. (laughs) What's wrong with this picture? My investments are way down. And I spent a lifetime building this up and I just lost a fifth of it or more in half a year. (laughs) I'm not feeling too good and and your spouse may not be too happy with you or whatever the case may be. And so certainly investing with uh, some protective elements, as we've talked on this show all the time, we're investing for growth, security, liquidity, cash flow, and tax savings. No one investment does all of that. So if all of your investments are in growth type uh, investments, you probably don't have any security built in. And that's why the use of some of these other uh, investments, such as fixed index annuities, you know, last year, people with fixed index annuities said, well, you know, okay, I understand why it's here, but boy, that market sure is good. And maybe I, we shouldn't have put so much in there. And this year, like, thank my lucky stars, yeah. I've got some <laughs> fixed index annuities. They don't lose money. Oh, and I listened to you on the, we did some of those other things you mentioned, and, and maybe some of them are up or, you know, and, and so they're real diversity, not just uh, diversity amongst the same group of, of investments, like a, a mutual fund or an ETF. But real true diversity into things that have diverse goals. And I think that's important to differentiate. You can have diverse investments, but if they're kind of in the same grouping and they have the same goal, then you're not really diversified. And when I say goal, you know, growth, security, liquidity, cash flow, and tax savings, uh, if they're all just designed for one and they completely ignore, you know, for growth, say, and they completely ignore security and or cash flow, then you know, times like this, this this year has not been good to you. And uh, this is where the diversity of your your objectives is really as important or probably more important than the diversity of your actual investment holdings. And Brian, to your comment about people not knowing what they're in, I live in a community where a lot of people are retired and in speaking with them, they really don't know what they're in. They open up their 401k statements and they're shocked that they've gone down. They ask their advisor and their advisor says, well, just write it out. Do you find that that is a common answer among people who just don't have a lot of choices? Absolutely, because most people are with advisors that don't have access to fixed index annuities, for instance. And so if they had the fixed index annuities, they'd call their advisor and said, what are we going to do about this? Oh, we already did it. Remember, we placed uh, X percentage of your portfolio in something that can never lose money in a down market. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I'm not down as much as my neighbor. Uh Uh-huh. That's part of it. And then we did these other things. Remember that? And they go, oh, yep, yep, I got that. And so with the market drop, they're looking at their overall portfolio going, I'm way better off than the market, aren't I? And yes, you are. And because we took those steps, knowing that bad markets happen, we don't know when they're going to happen or how bad they're going to be. We know they happen. And so whereas I like the stock market, I don't like it for all of your money if you're retired. <laughs> I just don't. And a lot of people are pushing for that. You know, the, the Ken Fishers out there and the other ones out there that are always, you know, they got their headline thing that they use. I hate annuities. You should too. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody hates annuities in 2022. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, me either. Yeah. So I, I'm like, I take issue with that because that's just, you know, I get some business. They have 
their their little logo and they, they they say these things or or some of the the bigger financial people on the radio you know they'll say oh put all your money in stock market it earns 12 percent a year i'm like no it doesn't i don't even know where they get these numbers but no one calls them <laughs> out on it you know and yeah and oh yeah. stay away from annuities they're, they're really high fees well variable annuities get to know what an annuity is you know maybe i, I don't like a variable annuity and maybe I don't like 90% of fixed index annuities as much as 10% that I do like, but I only need the one for you as my client or two of them, mm-hmm. uh, one for accumulation, one for lifetime cash flow, uh, and, and so forth. So there there are really good products out there in everything. There's good, you know, you can have success in the stock market. You can have success with uh, annuities. You can have success with real estate. You can have success with a lot of things. But saying that, oh, there's only one thing good and everything else is bad, well, that's disingenuous. That's manipulative. I, I don't. I don't like that. I, I don't like what I hear on, on you know, for some of these national people that are on radio and TV. And, and, you know, I see the TV slots and I have to turn off the sound. I just, <laughs> right, just want to uh, throw, <laughs> throw my chips at the TV sometimes. It's like, you guys aren't telling the truth again. You know, it's like, uh, so I, I don't watch a lot of that. But uh, yeah, having that diversity is so important. Diversity of purpose of the assets, not diversity of the title of the assets. We're talking with Brian. Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs when talking about the markets and what you can do about that. I'll tell you one thing that you can do is go to madronafinancial.com and uh, take a look at the Rooted Wealth Analysis page there. If you've ever wondered how deep your financial roots are, you can find out are they deep enough to withstand the sort of financial storm that we're in right now. Well, to answer your question, simply click on the Get Started button. You'll take a very short quiz there and be set up with an advisor who can basically dig up your financial roots and just see how strong they they are. MadronaFinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. Big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots. The same goes with your finances. Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you want to learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about what kind of documents we ask for and look at when we do financial planning. And Brian, I know that you offer appointments for people to come in and sit down with an advisor at Madrona Financial. I believe you can still do them via Zoom. You can do them any number of different ways. But yeah, I was wondering when people first come to you and they do want to talk to you about taxes, and we know that tax is a very important part of any financial plan, what sort of documents should they have at the ready? Yeah, it's a process to get it right. It's not just something, you know, we do a meeting and say, oh, here, buy the SP 500 and the aggregate bond index and next, you know, that's not what we do. It is a, a process because, again, we want to get it right. We talk about on this show a lot about getting your financial plan done. Okay, so that's that's very important. And that document asks for basic information, you know, for instance, if you have a 401k plan and you say, yeah, I got a 401k plan, it's got 500000 in it. 
we don't need to know everything that's in it. We just need to know it's 401k and it's 500,000. So we don't have to get all the, the details at this point of the thing. But I wanted to talk beyond the financial plan. The financial plan does a lot. It tells us your assets, liabilities, your cash flow, expected cash flow, expected uh, legacy assets, lots of things. It tells us all that stuff. But you know, it's certainly a projection into the future and it can be decades into the future. So obviously those things have to change over time. But other things that we ask for include the following, and that would be your personal income tax return and your living will or your will or living trust, I should say. And so those are two other documents that I like to see. So if you've got a will or living trust, you want to bring that. Brian, what are some of the things that you specifically look for in that will or living trust? Yeah, well, the first one is that you have one. <laughs> you know, that's right, a, right. That's a great test. I mean, um, oh, uh, yeah, I'd send it to you, but uh, it doesn't exist, or I can't find it, or it's old. And so often, probably more than half the time, is one of the, you know, that's the answer. And so that's a good indication. Of, well, do you, would you like to have that? Because two of the most important documents are. It's not. Well, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I'm. My kids will get get the money, I suppose, or my spouse or whatever. But think about the health care directive and the durable power of attorney. We're all mortal. We're going to have a struggle at some point in our life, probably, unless you get hit by the proverbial bus that requires someone else to make decisions on your behalf. And so you can either have the hospital administrator make the decision as to your health care or your spouse, which would you rather have? I'd rather have a spouse do that. Yeah. Well, they can't make those decisions if you don't have a health care directive. And so if you don't have a will or a living trust, I'm pretty sure you don't have a health care directive or a durable power of attorney. So they can't manage your assets. They can't manage your health. They can't make decisions. All kinds of problems. And so that's the first thing. Do you have it? And is it updated? The second thing, in the state of Washington, let's say somebody says, yeah, we've got X number of assets. Let's say it's $4 million. You know, houses and prices have gone up and so forth. And they say, all right, you know, I looked at one recently. I, I said, do you have a will? Yeah, we, we have a fairly updated will. I said, okay, did you do it yourself? You hire an attorney. Oh, we hired an attorney. I said, okay, you're probably fine. But just in case, send it to me so I can look at it. Because I want to make sure that you have the Credit Shelter Trust, AV Trust, you know, some language in there that could save your estate close to $200,000. And so they said, okay, so they sent it. They go, you know, I, I don't see that in there. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sure it's in there. An attorney filled this out and you know, did this for you. I looked at it. I'm like, wow, it's missing. Yeah. What, what attorney doesn't put that language in <laughs> yeah. to a will to save six figures? And it's just a paragraph you got to put in that says, okay, when I pass away, my estate's going to be divided into two pieces. And each piece will be under the state of Washington threshold for paying the state tax. If you don't have that, they're combined and then half of it's above the threshold in this in this example. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And so I'm like, I got to actually look at these things. I got attorneys out there filling out the, you know, the, the wills and living trusts. They, they don't even know that basic concept. And it's even worse in Oregon. There's only a $1 million exemption. So any, anything over a million is going to have the uh, estate tax. You can at least get a second million by having that paragraph. In the state of Washington, it's about $2.2 million or 4.4 if you get the paragraph. And so, you know, we're talking, again, uh, six figures. That's at stake for a lot of my clients if they don't have an updated will or living trust. So that's one thing I'm definitely looking for. Uh, and, and now I, I realize I, I need to even ask for it when they say I have a current one mm -hmm. because I, I can't trust that the right, right stuff is in there. 
And Brian, you've told the story before for our listeners who have never heard it about the million dollar lawnmower. Is that an example of a man who just did not have uh, the right clause in his documents and it cost his estate a million dollars? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that that absolutely. And uh, that's what I'm talking about is just basic stuff. Or how would you like to have your state not uh, have your family at war with each other? Right. Or where you ruin people's lives by giving, leaving money to kids that are too young to know what to do with it. And they, they get really good at partying because they have all this extra cash. And it's, it's not even that complicated. A lot of people go, well, I don't want to go through all the rigmarole and the expense of setting up trust and all that stuff. You don't even have to set up trust. It's the will that says, when I die, right, then right. trust will be set up to protect the assets and to protect people and to protect from the state of Washington and taxes and and all this stuff. Uh, a little bit of planning now can do all of that. You don't, you don't have to set them up now. It just happens after you passed away. And that if something happens to me, you know, someone I, one of my loved ones can make those decisions again. Mm -hmm. All this stuff is so critical, but it's one of those things we just don't do. We don't do financial planning uh, and spend a lot of time on that. Most people don't. Most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about their will, living trust, durable power of attorney, health care directive. Yeah. Most people don't spend a lot of time looking at their tax return for opportunities or something there. So uh, segue here. That's another document I want to see is a tax return. Okay. And that million dollar lawnmower story, if I'm telling it correctly, Brian, this is a client that you had who had had a will done uh, himself. Actually, I think he got it online. He saved so much money. He decided to buy himself a lawnmower with the money that he saved. And then he passed away about a year later. And because he did not have the right verbiage in his documents, it cost his estate a million dollars. So in essence, that lawnmower cost him around a million dollars. Is that about right, Brian? Well, you, you, you told the story just right, Jeff. That okay. is exactly what happened. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a very expensive lawnmower. Let that uh, be a lesson <laughs> to you also. And another story in one of your previous books, and you're a prolific author, and uh, certainly we do have the uh, Seven Steps books out right now, but another one is about Raul. Can you tell that story and how not having the proper document there gave his wife's uh, previous husband, who was deceased, gave all of his assets to Raul and his children? Yeah, that, that was a situation. It's the same thing. Not only did I talk about saving all that money in tax, but by having the money set aside in a in a trust after you passed, and let's say you wanted to, when your spouse eventually passes away, if you were the first one to pass away, you definitely wanted your half of the estate to go to your kids. And so that can be established with that wording. But if it's not established, then, you know, you pass away, your spouse gets the money, they remarry. A lot of influence can be had at that time. Things mm -hmm. can change and you end up uh, leaving all the money you wanted to go to your own kids is not under your control. Obviously, you passed away. It's not under any control. Right. And it ends up with the kids of the remarried spouse that you've never even met <laughs> yeah. and your kids get nothing and that happens because people didn't take the time to go to an attorney and have their cpa financial advisor in this case us 
Take a look at that, work with the attorney, make sure all that stuff's there so that when you pass, the objectives are met instead of uh, the terrible situation I see happen where someone passes away and their legacy assets do not go to their own kids. We're talking about the documents that you need to bring with you or show to the Madrona Financial Advisor when you meet for your initial consultation. Brian, we've talked about a will and a trust. We have talked about tax forms. Anything else that's very important to bring with you? Yeah, well, I wanted to mention on the tax turn in, and again, this this won't happen on, in one consultation. This is this is a process. This is you've hired us to be your financial advisor, so we do investing, we do the planning, we're CPAs, we we do legacy planning, we can talk real estate, business succession, income tax planning, all of the above, which is something I just don't see enough of in the financial services industry. The, the combination of all of that, so that is where we we try and set ourselves apart, but. But when it comes to that tax return, there's a nut, there's also many opportunities that can be had there. We might look at the tax return and say, wow, you've got a couple years here before you turn on your annuities and Social Security and, and whatever. During those years, you're going to be in a low bracket. Maybe we should pull money out of your IRA, put it in your Roth, pay income tax at the lowest marginal rate you're ever going to pay, and then have that Roth money grow tax-free for the rest of your life. I mean, that's a great tax planning tip that, you know, I don't know that a lot of people look at that. There's other things that we can do, but that, that one just jumps out at me that, that by looking at a tax return, there are opportunities often that we can uncover just by uh, having an experienced person here at, at Madrona look at that tax return so your advisor that you meet with has access to the full CPA firm and has access to the people that we work side by side with and can get to the solution by looking at that tax return with a deeper dive. And Brian, I think this conversation is a prime example of why it's so important to work with a CPA and do comprehensive tax planning. I mean, it's just one of the seven roots that sustain wealth. So if you want to see how deep your tax planning or other roots are before the next storm hits, go to madronafinancial.com, click on the button that says get started. And when you do, you'll fill out some basic information and then the staff at Madrona Financial will be able to schedule your rooted wealth analysis so you can see what needs to be addressed before the next storm hits. Once again, madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button to see how deep your financial roots are. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about things we can glean from looking at a 1040 tax return. And Brian, we have done a little segment before. It's also one of our two-minute segments that we do on the radio as well, too, about the 1040 deep dive. We're really looking at things on a 1040 that other people may not see. So what are some of the other things that when you look at a tax form that you see because you're a CPA? Yeah, and as I mentioned, all of my advisors that are working on people's accounts, they have access to my CPA firm. They also have access to something, uh, there's a software program we use that we can scan your tax return into. It reads all of your information and puts out this multi-page report hmm. that is very helpful to us. It tells us your, your marginal tax rate, meaning that the next dollar that you earn or deduct, we know exactly what the tax rate is on that dollar. 
We know what your capital gains rate is. It could be 0, 10, 15, 20, 23.8. We can look at so many things from this report. So that's something that most people don't have access to, obviously, is this brain, essentially automatic brain doing the analysis and giving us that report to, to really uh, jumpstart the analysis. Now, we can do this segment over and over and over, Jeff, because every time we do it, I'm thinking, oh, uh, there's other things I look at that I didn't mention the last time I talked about this. Right. So I I mentioned in the last segment about marginal tax bracket. If I see 12%, I'm going, hmm, I got an opportunity for Roth conversion probably at the lowest rate and having lifetime gains be tax-free. That sounds like a good plan to me. So that just jumps out at me. Often we do analysis of your real estate. Most people that own rentals think that they're getting you know, X percent rate of return. But when we look at the tax return, we go, well, what about repairs? You know, what, what is your real cash flow on this? Very often, what I see is between zero and three percent, and often zero or negative. And if you don't own raw land, you're just paying property taxes and insurance, and you don't have any return on that. And so we have opportunities there, obviously, with Delaware Statutory Trust. I might see businesses, I might see S-Corps and say, well, you know, you don't have any liability protection necessarily for malpractice or so forth. Or, or I might see sole proprietor that you don't have any liability protection. What, what's your insurances? What's your umbrella policies? What does that look like? Should you incorporate? If you're thinking about selling, should you sell the assets or should you sell the stock? And what are the implications there? Should you receive money and put it into an opportunity zone or is real estate part of the sale? You can do a Delaware statutory trust. So I'm just kind of popcorning things right now that I'm looking at when I'm looking at a tax return. I, I might might look at your Schedule B and you have interest income. I say, okay, what's your rate on this? I might say, well, I don't know, a quarter of a percent. And how much do you have in there? Oh, 300000 well, would you like a fixed annuity or a fixed index annuity and supercharge that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? And, you know, there's just all these things that would jump out form by form. Every form I look at on a return, Schedule A, Schedule B, Schedule C for sure, Schedule D with the capital gains, I might, I might see a situation where you have a capital loss carry forward because we've had some tough market lately and we might sell something at a gain. So uh, you wouldn't necessarily, let's say you're doing a Delaware statutory trust and you say, well, I have to roll over all this money. I said, no, you don't. Take some money out. Well, don't I pay tax on it? Yeah, but you have a $100,000 loss carry forward. We'll just offset against that. Put the hundred and grand in the bank and you don't pay any tax on that. You know, just, again, popcorning ideas here. But the point I'm trying to make, there's a lot to that tax return. I'm going to pretty much guarantee that most people listening right now do not spend, say, 30 minutes analyzing every form of their tax return before they sign it, uh, their their authorization. Most people just, they get it done. Right. They say, where do I sign? You're filing it right. Great. It's gone. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not looking at it. Their CPA is not generally analyzing it for investment opportunities like I just did kind of real time uh, on my pretend tax return I was looking at here. And and so nobody's doing that. Well, wouldn't it be a great benefit to have somebody do that with your tax return? We talked about the will the or living trust. We talked about the durable power of attorney, healthcare directive, uh, credit shelter trust provisions, legacy provisions, the tax return uh, opportunities as it relates to your investments and, and so forth. This is in addition to the financial plan. 
So when we talk about comprehensive wealth management, that's what we're talking about is is mm-hmm. integrating all of that together. And I don't see that happening out there, uh, certainly as I'm a national coach and I talk to other firms. I, I don't see that. The only one I've seen do it is us right now. I imagine mm-hmm. there's other firms that do it. I don't know who they are. Well, that's a big advantage of Madrona Financial and CPAs is because you have CPAs right alongside financial advisors at Madrona Financial. But are a lot of advisors that you have, or at least a few of them, or how many of them are also CPAs in addition to financial advisors? So, I mean, they're a financial advisor and a CPA in the same brain. Well, there is that. And and so how people say, well, do I need that? And I'll say, absolutely not. What you need is access to it. So even in my case where, you know, I've been a CPA for a long, long time. <laughs> you know, I, I stopped counting it at 30 years, I think. And so people say, well, I need you to do my analysis. I'm like, well, you know, I'll, I'll work, I'm working with the, the advisors here or Joel or Christy or other CPA advisors here. But the fact that all of my advisors, we don't just have one accountant here. We don't just have you know, many companies say, oh, we do tax planning. We have it in-house. Well, who do you have? Oh, we have one enrolled agent. Oh, okay. What's their experience? Well, they're pretty good at filling out 1040s. And well, that's not enough for what I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking about high level, like partner CPA kind of stuff or senior manager stuff. All of my advisors have access to CPA partners, CPA senior managers, experienced CPAs to run all these calculations. I don't even run them myself. I don't even turn on our tax program anymore. I need to identify the opportunity, as will my advisors here. We identify the opportunity. We work side by side with our CPAs here to come up with the projections and how much can I do that Roth conversion for and my what-if scenarios and, and so forth. So that's how we do it here. So because all of our advisors have access to a full service, you know, more of a full service CPA firm mm-hmm. than just having one person, that, that's a big differentiator. Brian, I want to talk about something and highlight it that you talked about earlier. And I think that, you know, being a CPA, you look at these things, but do you have the ability to shift income if you can do it from one time to another time in order to manipulate the tax brackets, of course, legally that you're in? Absolutely. It's not easy to do with earned income, but investment income, absolutely. You make the decision as when to realize and recognize, you know, you you realize gains by something going up in value. You recognize them by pulling the trigger and selling Mm -hmm. them. So again, in my DST example, okay, I did the DST, but I did it in a year where I had a capital loss. And so I was able to uh, essentially tax loss harvest that capital loss to offset some gains from a 1031 exchange that where I'm going to pull money out and have it in my bank account and not pay any tax. If I did that in the wrong order, if I had the, the gain and then January of the following year I, I took the loss, ooh, they don't line up. <laughs> that doesn't work. And so, yeah, absolutely, timing can be critical in tax planning. That's why we do a lot of what-if scenarios. What if we did this in this particular year where your income's down? Oh, wow, you get, may, might get some great benefit where you're paying maybe no capital gains tax on a certain amount of money that was meant to be taxed. And so there are a lot of opportunities that you have to have a a very full bore tax program to do the what if scenarios and you have to have the right operator of that program, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, somebody with our CPA firm. Brian, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but to my way of thinking, CPAs are very good at looking at what happened in the past. They look in the rearview mirror. They're going to do your tax return. They're going to be looking at things that happened last year. But if you're a CPA and an advisor, you have sort of an advantage in that you can look through the windshield. You can tax plan 
for the future instead of just looking behind. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I don't, you know, want to throw water on CPAs. I mean, obviously, I am one. I own a right. CPA firm. But the focus is what are you focused on? You know, if, if I'm mowing a lawn, I'm not focused on trimming trees. <laughs> if I'm trimming trees, I'm not focused on the lawn. And CPA is focused. That's probably a terrible analogy. But CPA's focus is in the rearview mirror. I, I used to remember when I was just doing CPA work, I never knew what year it was. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I'm always in the last year. That's all I've been working on. I might have a three years of tax returns. I, 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 oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm in this year. But everything, every form I'm looking at is last year because all <laughs> I'm doing is stuff from last year. And then people, what can I do? Here's my taxes. What can I do? Well, nothing because it was last year. I don't have a time machine. You know, even if I had advice, it's, it's too late. I can't do anything. And so I kind of lived in that world and it was kind of frustrating. And that's why one of the reasons why I became a financial advisor. So I could marry the two, mm-hmm. the understanding of the past, which can help me make good decisions for the future with a focus on that future as it relates to where you've been and where you want to be. And the only way to do that is to, again, marry the two, the the CPA knowledge and forward-looking planning along with the financial planning, which is always forward-looking. And as we've said before, that's why it's so important to work with a CPA and do comprehensive tax planning. And it's just one of the seven routes that will sustain your wealth for 30 plus years. CPAs and financial advisors working together in unison, in concert at Madrona Financial. If you'd like to check your rooted wealth analysis that does include tax planning, simply go to Madrona Financial, click on the Get Started button and schedule your rooted wealth analysis because we are in a financial storm right now and who knows, it may get worse. Madrona Financial Click on the Get Started button. Brian, out of time for this week. Want to thank you for your time. Want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out have a great weekend, won't you, in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.